0: Hello and welcome to The Intersection. My name is Mark Riley, and it's a pleasure having you with us. You know what leads this episode. The only former president in U.S. history to be indicted on criminal charges. What else? But don't go partying in the streets just yet. Donald Trump has been charged, but he's nowhere near being convicted. Besides, the indictment helps him raise money from those suckers, oh, sorry, supporters who still back him. Like they used to say, And in other news, after the tragic and senseless killing of six people in a Nashville, Tennessee school, you would think Republicans might rethink their knee-jerk opposition to gun regulations? Nope. Their answer? More guns. Things are getting sticky for Fox News after a judge ruled Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit can go to trial. And the Saudis and the Saudis want nukes for energy purposes, you understand. And if the U.S. won't give it to them, guess who they'll ask next? Off we go. So, Donald Trump has been indicted, and by the time you hear this, he will have turned himself in and will have been arraigned. What is he charged with? We'll know this week when those charges are unsealed. And by the way, don't expect him to be let off in handcuffs. That would set off Uh, A brouhaha between New York City police and, of course, the Secret Service, whose job it is, even now, to protect him. We do know, though, that Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg empaneled the grand jury that indicted him. We also know he's the first president, current or former, to face criminal charges. It centers around payments to an adult film actress, Stormy Daniels, arranged by his then fixer, Michael Cohen, back in 2016. Cohen is reportedly the star witness against his old boss. Fact is, Trump is only charged with a low-level felony and some misdemeanors, and conviction is far from certain. Hush money payments aren't in and of themselves illegal, and Bragg is testing the theory that falsifying business records and violating election law in the same case can in fact get a conviction. Be that as it may, Trump has reacted predictably here's the quote the democrats have lied cheated and stolen in their obsession with trying to get trump but now they've done the unthinkable indicting a completely innocent person i I don't know who he's talking about unprecedented yes unthinkable not in his case completely innocent we'll see He's managed to marshal three members of Congress to his side. Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Brian Steele have taken time out of their busy schedules to slime Bragg, who has responded by telling them, in essence, to mind their business. Now, keep in mind that these three members of Congress, who sit on very powerful committees, in fact, one's a committee chair, they didn't know who Alvin Bragg was before this indictment came down. But given who the person charged is, they decided to delve into Alvin Bray. They wanted records upon records, upon documents, upon more records from the grand jury proceedings, which, by the way, is unprecedented. Meanwhile, Trump has been using the indictment to do what he always does, raise money. By casting himself as the victim of a political witch hunt, He's again able to raise millions, which he can use any way he wants. If you follow the money, Trump ought to be thanking Bragg, not vilifying him. I saw somewhere uh, that his campaign said he raised $4 million bucks in the 24 hours after the indictment. I mean, Alex Jones doesn't raise money that fast. For those who don't think he can run while under indictment, please think again there's no legal impediment to his running for president again next year. Will it draw more than the crazed faithful to his side? That remains to be seen. I, for one, don't believe there will be a war on the streets or even a repeat of January 6, 2021. Maybe his people have run out of gas. Even so, law enforcement in New York City is taking no chances. They've been beefing up security against the possibility of violent protests. Remember, This is the guy who promised, quote, death and destruction if he were to be charged. The one thing to be happy about is this. A guy who faced any number of charges over the years, even while he was president, and has never been held to account, has at least been called to answer criminal charges. And the legal system, as we pointed out before, isn't done with him yet. There's the Atlanta thing the Mar-a-Lago thing, the civil thing in New York State, trust me, he'll call all of them witch hunts crafted by a weaponized criminal justice system. We'll see. And remember who perfected the art of weaponizing the criminal justice system against his opponents. Well, we don't necessarily have to mention that, but it is a fact. We've all recoiled in horror at the Nashville school shooting that left six people dead. As usual, politicians get in front of microphones and try to look sincere as they send out condolences to the families of the dead. The shooter, Audrey Hale, was killed by police. She bought the weapons used legally. And this is the rug. States like Tennessee, where this took place, are making it easy for people like Audrey Hale who was emotionally disturbed, to buy guns. Look at the work of the Tennessee legislature over the last little while. Republicans in that legislature, a 20-minute drive, by the way, uh, the state capitol from Nashville, from the site of the mass shooting, have passed a series of measures that have weakened regulations, eliminating some gun permit requirements and allowing most residents to carry loaded guns in public, open or concealed, without a permit, training, or special background checks. In other words, they allowed Audrey Hale to buy a gun that killed three children and three adults. At the same time, legislatures and school boards across the country are busy banning books and drag shows. Keep in mind, the number one killer in America, of children that is, isn't a book or a drag show. Quite simply, it's guns. These alleged lawmakers ought to be held accountable for their slavish devotion to the Second Amendment at the sacrifice of children's health and safety. And the states that are doing this are not just in the South. Ohio and Nebraska are two examples who are looking at passing laws or who have already passed laws that weaken already soft gun regulations. How these people look at themselves in the mirror is utterly beyond me. I saw John Stewart, lately, skewer a guy who subscribed to this it's not guns, it's drag shows philosophy. I should maybe correct myself and say some of these people aren't just devoted to the Second Amendment. They're devoted to the gun lobby. After all, that's who they have to beg for money to run for re-election. And so more people die, including children. And the dreadful sorries keep on coming. Will it ever end? Probably not. Up next, bad news for Fox News. How bad? Keep listening. This is the intersection. Wherever you are, stay tuned to the intersection with Mark Riley. Welcome back to The Intersection. Right about now, Fox News is in a world of hurt. Dominion Voting Systems is suing the right-wing news channel for $1.6 billion. Last week, a judge ruled the case can go to trial. That same judge said the case against Fox News is strong. This is the news channel's worst nightmare. Twelve individuals deciding whether or not they have to pay probably a pretty thick amount of money. Dominion alleges Fox allowed both hosts and guests to make false claims that Dominion helped Joe Biden steal the 2020 election from Donald Trump. Now, a jury will decide whether Fox knowingly spread those claims. Fox has tried to hide behind the First Amendment, arguing that statements made by their hosts were opinion. Of course, there's already been some evidence that even some of the channel's star hosts didn't believe the false claims made by Trump and his minions. But as is so often the case, just follow the money. Fox had taken serious heat from Trump supporters for calling the 2020 race in Arizona for Joe Biden, and in effect, ceding the presidency to the man. Now, they were apparently worried, was Fox, about the new right-wing news channels like Newsmax and One America News. I don't even know if One America is still around. But believe me, Fox was nervous because they were losing audience after that call on Arizona. They had to make sure their money was not at risk, and if slagging dominion was part of that effort, so be it. Now, let's be clear. The bar for proving defamation is a high one. There's no guarantee Dominion will ultimately prove its case. Yet a jury might find they were defamed, and while they may not get the money they're asking for, it would deal a body blow to Fox's claim of being fair and balanced. Do they still say that? I don't watch them often enough to know. You know Fox is scared when they argue that Dominion overvalued the company's worth when filing the suit in the first place. It's also telling that Fox Corporation, the parent company, of Fox News had no hand in Brooks, at least they say they had no hand, in broadcasting those lies. Once the trial starts, get ready for some intense media coverage. It's now tentatively set for April 17th. Folks, this is what happens when people masquerade as journalists in search of the almighty dollar. Make no mistake, media outlets have always chased money. That's how they survive. The question here is whether any outlet can promote what they know is a false narrative for their own financial gain. Now, a jury gets to decide. And finally on this episode, our friends the Saudis, you know, the the oil people, they're looking to develop nuclear power. They're looking for America to help. Guess where they'll go If we won't help them, this is The Intersection. It's springtime and you're listening to Mark Riley, the intersection of politics and culture. Welcome back to The Intersection. You know, it's been a while now that Saudi Arabia has asked the U.S. for help to help them develop nuclear power. Why? They apparently, this is what they say, they want alternatives to the oil they've been selling for years, at a tremendous profit by the way, on the world market. Strange maybe, but apparently true. The U.S. has inserted some caveats that are intended to make sure the Saudis don't develop nuclear weapons with nuclear power or export the technology to other potentially hostile nations according to an article in the New York Times. Saudi Arabia, in turn, has been hesitant to agree. So what do they do? They ask China for the same help. What else? That doesn't mean the Saudis aren't trying to talk the U.S. into relaxing those caveats, mind you. They've even offered to normalize relations with Israel in exchange for American cooperation. All this is played out against machinations on the global stage. We talked recently about the role of China in brokering a rapprochement between the Saudis and Iran. What makes the U.S. nervous is the pledge by Saudi leader, Crown Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, to develop nuclear weapons, weapons, not power, weapons, if Iran does. The Saudis also have a trump card. They may be sitting on a mammoth supply of uranium to exploit to its own energy needs and to export on top of that. By the way, guess who the Saudis are working with to prospect for uranium? That's right, the Chinese. Now, there will be people in the U.S., and I can't disagree with them, they'll argue that any dealing with Saudi Arabia should be contingent on bringing up their human rights record, which is inarguably not great. What we should take from this situation is that Saudi Arabia will work with literally anyone who they think will further their national interest. And the Chinese understand this. I'm not sure America understands it yet, but the Chinese do understand this. That's why they brokered that agreement with Iran to expand their influence in that part of the world. And now they're helping the Saudis prospect for uranium. That is a huge, huge economic situation, a huge boon for the Chinese, and a problem for America. Now, all this seems to indicate that the Saudis will become chummy with American antagonists like China if they want to or if they feel they have to. As China's inf- increase, I'm sorry, if China's influence in the Middle East increases, America's wanes a little bit at a time. We've talked about that before. It will take skilled diplomacy to bring about an agreement that both the U.S. and the Saudis will find satisfactory. Now, all this, and again, there are a lot of people who haven't forgotten that the Saudis were held responsible for killing a journalist on American soil and reportedly dismembering the man's body. You remember Khashoggi? There's never been any real answer to that. And a lot of people, myself included, would intimate that the problem there is Saudi's oil and Americans' desire to consume oil from Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is also and has always played an outsized role in the deliberations of OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, centered and based in the Middle East, of course. And the Saudis, in fact, the the notion that they are now looking to exploit nuclear power indicates they are also trying to shift their focus, not just on the stage of the Middle East, but around the world. And the Chinese are all too willing, just like Americans are all too willing to buy goods made in China, well, the Chinese are all too willing to help the Saudis exploit uranium for their own gain. And, you know, we should really, if we think about it, learn a lesson that's been talked about over the many, many years when it comes to all this, because it's not going away. And the Chinese are going to continue to look to try and compete with the United States on the world stage, in particular, economically. But when you start bleeding over into nuclear power and the possibility of, the possibility of developing nuclear weapons, that's something we need to pay much, much closer attention to. But what's been said about these kinds of situations over the years and something America might want to pay attention to? No permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just permanent interests. Thanks so much for listening to The Intersection. The executive producer is Kim Jack Riley, and music is by Tevin Thomas. Until next time, please be well.